Before we get to episode 174, I'd like to take a minute to ask for your support of the Keystone Chapter of the National Federation of the Blind of Pennsylvania. Go to supportkeystonechapter.org, scroll down, you'll see a text field there that has $50 in it. Now, you don't have to give $50 to make a difference. You can put in any amount you feel comfortable with, any amount. I really would appreciate it. And again, that's supportkeystonechapter.org. Thank you so much. From Studio B in Swarthmore, this is the I Can't See You podcast with David. It's like blind people for dummies. Hello there, and welcome to episode 174 of the I Can't See You podcast. My name is David, at David Benj on all the socials, including Racket. And I've actually created my first Racket. I, I guess what, that's what the posts are called. And I bet you don't know what it was about. Well, I'm going to tell you. It was about the app not being fully accessible. In fact, to record a racket for whatever or whatever they're called, I had to take voiceover off and guess where the button was to record. So that's an issue there. And that was what my whole, I think it was about 30 seconds, not maybe not even 30 seconds, what my whole first racket was all about. And to be honest, I haven't been there since I recorded it. So I don't know if anybody's even liked it or looked at it or listened to it or, or whatever you really do there. Uh, but I did record over there again at David Bench, like on all the other socials. So go take a look. Uh, again, only available on iOS, I believe at this point, not a hundred percent since the last time I checked, but when I downloaded it, that's the only spot it was available. So I have a whole bunch of things to talk about today. <laughs> and it's kind of funny because I usually don't have a lot to talk about because usually I leave the house maybe once a week. And sometimes I've gone two episodes without actually leaving the house. And when I say not leaving the house, of course, I'm in the backyard playing with Ziggy or I take the trash out to the curb, but that's about it. I, I haven't, I've gone on one walk, walk so far with Ziggy this uh, season since the time change and uh, it's lighter, longer, but I haven't really been on a walk too much uh, since probably early fall, late summer, early fall. So I do have a lot to talk about because there's only been one day since I last recorded that I haven't left my property. All the other days I left. And I did a bunch of things that was very cool. And it, some, was, some of the things were just okay. I mean, it wasn't, it wasn't crazy stuff. Uh, but I've got a few of those things to talk about now. Now, uh, before we really get into it, the first thing I wanted to mention, which was very cool, uh, my friend Dan, super fan Dan, had messaged me last night uh, and he said, I, I heard this podcast that I think you would really like, and it's called 20,000 Hertz. And the episode that uh, I'm assuming it's their latest one, it was all about audio description. And it was very cool because it had a few people on it. And one guy I really liked, one guy is called the blind movie critic. And I'm going to try and get him on the podcast once we're on the other side of the surgery. And I've got some time to set aside to record. Uh, so maybe in a couple weeks to a month, I'll try and connect with him. I don't know that he'll come on. I don't know how popular he is. I haven't looked at his YouTube channel or anything like that. Again, that's the Blind Movie Critic. And I will have a link to that podcast in the show notes. Very cool thing about that podcast. Uh, it was only 14 minutes long. And if you listen at anything faster than normal speed, obviously it'll be a lot quicker. And uh, I was able to listen to that last night when I did the dishes. In fact, <laughs> and I didn't tell Dan this when I texted him today. I was going to text him, but it was like three in the morning. And I thought, you know what? He's working. I'm not going to text him at that hour. And 
get them all woken up and and having a bad day today. So I and then I forgot today. I didn't text them till this afternoon. So. But then it was a very cool episode, and I actually like the podcast in general, so I probably will check out future episodes of that. Uh, again, it's called 20,000 Hertz. Uh, I'm assuming it's H-E-R-T-Z, not H-U-R-T-Z, uh, T-S. <laughs> spell much, right? Uh, so thank you, Dan, for that. And I have, uh, like I said, a few things to talk about. The two main things were both related to some of the stuff that I do in Philadelphia with uh, Trish and Catherine uh, with Philly Touch Tours. And one of them was at the University of the Arts. That was uh, earlier this week. Um, and there was a group of students that, I, I think I mentioned this in a previous episode, I went to the Museum of the American Revolution back about three or four weeks ago, uh, maybe a little bit longer, and met with students and we walked around the museum and they got some feedback from myself and a few other blind folks that were there, and just how to make things more enjoyable if you're blind or visually impaired and you go to that museum. And then they were tasked, their project for the term, for the semester uh, at in their class at the University of the Arts, was to come up with something to make it a more enjoyable visit to that museum. And some of the things they did were incredible. And it's, it's almost unbelievable. Some of the stuff they did was so far beyond what we did back when, when we were in school. And again, my college career was pretty brief, but they made all sorts of sound activated stuff. And of course, we didn't have the computers back in the day. Uh, when I was in college, it was still it was still working on mainframes, and nobody walked around the campus down in Miami with laptops and and things like that. If you wanted to use a computer, you had to go to the computer lab. And uh, but now, of course, flat, uh, fast forward to today, forty years later, uh, <laughs> it is a lot different. And um, and again, each of the groups were at different stages of, we were basically looking at their, at their beta versions and they still needed to use just like every other college kid. Uh, and, and the professor told us, he said, you know, I had a, I had an unlimited budget of tinfoil and pipe cleaners. And, and he mentioned one other thing and, and that's basically what it was. Some of the things were so advanced to me, but then just the same as I would have made when I was back in in school, even middle school or, or high school. Uh, and in fact, one of the projects that they were working on, there's this big painting at the museum. It's 14 by 16 or 16 by 18. I don't remember exactly. I think it was 14 by 16. And you walk up this grand staircase from the atrium area of the museum to where all the exhibits are and the galleries, and at the top of the stairs is this huge picture, and uh, it's got General Washington and Lafayette and a few other folks that I don't remember from the Revolutionary War. Uh, there's a Native American there, there's uh, another There's a, another Frenchman. Uh, and so they basically did this thing where you hold, you, you hold this tinfoil ball, and then you touch certain things on this board and it would tell you what was going on in that section of the picture. Now, it wasn't an actual picture. It was just laid out to where things were. And some of it 
were some of the things were just, uh, for example, there was a there was a horse and it played the sound of a horse. Uh, there were things that talked about different folks that were in the painting. And it was very cool, but it reminded me, when I was in middle school, back in the mid-70s, uh, maybe late 70s, because I don't remember what year. I started middle school in 76, so let's call it late 70s. I made, for the science fair one year, I made a quiz board, and it was on hockey, and there were, I don't remember, five to, five to eight questions. I, I want to say it was six questions, but I don't remember. Again, it wasn't yesterday. And basically, on three-by-five cards in probably magic marker, we wrote a question on one side and then the answer on the other side. And of course, question one didn't have answer at answer one. It was somewhere else. And then in this board, we hammered nails next to each question and next to each, each answer. And there were two electrical leads that hung down from the board. And then each answer was wired to each question. So when you touched the nail on question one and you got the answer right. Let's say it was, I remember one of the answers was Mike Bossy. I, I don't remember any of the others. I just know it was Mike Bossy, and it probably had to do with who scored the most goals in the NHL last year or something like that. I don't, I don't remember what it was, but I know the answer, like I said, was Mike Bossy. Even though he played for the Islanders and I was a huge Flyers fan, uh, I still liked him. Um, so maybe he was question one and answer number four. So when you touched the nail on one and four, then there was a red light at the top that would go off, you know, like you scored a goal. And uh, and I thought, wow, this is so cool. And uh, I don't remember how we made the red light because it wasn't a red light bulb, but we basically had a, I guess it was a six volt battery uh, taped into the back. And it was just very cool. We had it painted white. It looked like It looked like a hockey rink and stuff like that. So it was very cool, but this was obviously next level <laughs> compared to that. Um, but it was still cool to see that, hey, here's some, you know, here's some uh, cardboard used to define walls, or here's some tin foil that is allowing you to be <laughs> connected to this, you know, get the, get the computer to play the right sounds and so forth and so on. But it was very cool. And then we gave feedback. Was this helpful? Was it not helpful? And everyone that we went to, I think there were six, five or six groups, I don't remember, um, but all of them had great ideas. And some of them had, one of the things that we learned when we were at Chubb was you had to be careful of something called feature creep, where you start to think about something when you're designing a website. And then you think, oh, well, we could do this, or we could do that, and we could add this. And then all of a sudden, it goes from something that's fairly simple to some elaborate design that will take an exponential am amount more time than what you had planned on. And some of them, I, I feared, we're going to get to that. We're going to go that way. Uh, but all of them had great ideas, and I can't wait to see the finished product. I, I think the term ends in another in another three weeks or so. So I'm I'm looking forward to seeing the end result there. So that was that was uh, Monday of this week that we're in now, and I am recording this on Thursday the seventh. Um, and I took an Uber in, and Liz came and picked me up. She had the day off. Ziggy was at the groomer, so she took the day, and and she and Ziggy picked me up, which was very cool. That made things easy because one of the other days this week, in fact, it was yesterday, when I was at the thing on Monday, 
Catherine said, hey, we're doing this thing at the Museum of the American Revolution. Could you come and help us with this tactile map? And I said, sure. And she originally told me it was going to be Thursday, today. And I said yes, because I knew I didn't have anything going on today other than recording this podcast and editing three other White Canes Connect episodes. And I'll get to that in a few minutes. Then she texted me on Tuesday and said, it's tomorrow and it's not in the afternoon, it's in the morning. And I said, okay, still okay, but I had on, on my schedule for yesterday, I had an interview to do for White Canes Connect uh, for one of the founders of Accessible Pharmacy. And she told me it's 11, it should only take about an hour. We're about half an hour outside of Philadelphia, so I thought, okay, 12 o'clock, 12.30, as long as I get home by one, little after one, I should be good. So I take an Uber in, no issues, get out, go into the museum, do the thing with the tactile map, which was very cool. Um, but as I'm using this, I, I realized a couple of things about myself. And, and, and one of the things I didn't realize, I, I, I was told by Catherine, she said, you're pretty autonomous with going around. You're, you have a little bit of an adventure in you, so you, you would just go. And I said, you're right. That's exactly what I would do. I don't know that I would use a map. I might use a map at the beginning to just get a general feel of the layout. But I've been to the Museum of the American Revolution, I, I don't know how many times now, maybe half a dozen times. So it's not like I don't know pretty much how it's kind of set up. I mean, there might be some things that I don't know exactly where they are as far as, hey, this exhibit is right in between this one and that one, or it's a little closer to... I know the general way, you kind of weave your way through the galleries. It's not like you walk into one room, you come out of it, you walk into another room, you come out of it. it you just kind of weave your way through from gallery to gallery and stake your way through it. And so once I have that down, I don't know that I would use the map. And I certainly don't know the map that they showed was going to be mounted on some sort of... Uh, it reminded me, it, the, the styrofoam board that you use when you're doing presentations and things like that, it basically reminded me, again, having flashbacks of when Dan and I were at Chubb and we had to do presentations with our work on these, you know, mounted on these boards. So I did that and as we're leaving, we have to give our security badges back and we leave through a side door and I was assuming that we were going to go out into the rotunda area. And that's where I'd call the Uber. And, and to be honest, I was hoping we would go back out there because I saw that there was something that I had never noticed before in this area to the left of where you buy your tickets to enter. And it's, I could, t it seemed like the, the guys had red coats on. So I'm, I'm guessing they were British. And, <laughs> and I said to Nigel, Nigel is the um, keychain that we got somewhere in London that I have on my cane. Uh, I said to him, I said, look, Nigel, I think they're, I think they're on your team. Be again, because they looked like they had red and black, and I couldn't tell the hats that they had on. But uh, it, it was two soldiers, and I think one of them had a gun. Again, you know, I can't see, so I don't know exactly what they were doing. I mean, they could have been roasting marshmallows for all I know, but I'm pretty sure they were, they were holding guns. Um, and I thought, oh, that would be a good spot for a blind selfie. Just as I started to take my phone out to find what the description was of these guys. Catherine came in. I had gotten there before her. She had come in and, and I said, okay, well, I'll, I'll do it on the way out. And then of course, like I just said, 
we left out through the security entrance, not through the main entrance. So Catherine and I talked as we walked around. She's like, let's go back in so you can call your Uber. And we went back in just into the um, entryway before you get into the the main area of the rotunda and the ticket area and, and whatnot. And I, I pulled up the Uber app and we're inside. But again, there's traffic, heavy, not you know, heavy foot traffic of people coming in and it's a museum. So when I say heavy foot traffic, it's not, it's not like people are going to the Apple store at the mall, but there's still, the door is opening. People are talking as they walk by. So as I'm ordering the Uber and I've had this problem in other apps, the focus changes. And when I say the focus, as I may have said before, I have to touch something on the screen and then listen to what it says. Sometimes when you do that, and this happens all the time when I'm setting my alarm, I will touch, let's say, 8.30 is when my first alarm goes off. I will touch 8.30, and then when I hear that it's 8.30, I double tap, and it will say 8.30 off. And if I then try to find where the – and the focus then changes to some other number there for a couple of seconds. So if I don't wait – that alarm will not set and a different time will set. So I think this is what happened, but I didn't realize it at the time. So I, I tap for the Uber. I put in my home address. I go through everything and it says $9 and something, nine seventy two, I think. And I'm thinking, wow, that's so much cheaper. It was around 30 to come in. And I said, okay, well, that was at the tail end of rush hour. So maybe that's the reason. I mean, that's, that's a big difference though in Philadelphia. New York, maybe. So Catherine and I continue to talk after I ordered it, and then I get a message that the Uber is there, even though it said he was a minute away. And we start to walk out, and Catherine says, come on, I'll I'll help you out. Now, she's also visually impaired, uh, but she has more vision than I do. So I, the, the driver called me and he said, I'm parked across the street. Well, to me, that's, that's a strike against you. Uh, and I usually do tip with Uber. I did not tip this guy. Uh, I said, all right, well, you know, I'm visually impaired. Can you beep your horn so I know where you are? And he beeps the horn and Catherine then immediately sees him across the street, across Chestnut Street. Uh, the museum is at the corner of the southeast corner of Third uh, and Chestnut. And so we cross over Chestnut and I get in the car. And as we're driving, it said something like, take David to 30th Street Station. I'm like, wait, what? No, no, I, I want to go home. I need to go home. I have an interview. So I said, did you say you're taking me to 30th Street Station? Is that what I just heard your navigation say? And he said, yeah. And I said, oh, that's not where I wanted to go. I said, okay, well, I'll go to 30th Street Station. And for a moment, I thought, well, maybe I should just take a train home. And then I quickly thought that would be a dumb idea because, A, they travel from Center City to Swarthmore very infrequently in the middle of the day. And then I'd also have about a mile walk and the weather yesterday was not very nice. So I started thinking, um, I knew this day would come when I'd get into some sort of transportation and I wouldn't go to where, (laughs) where I wanted to go. I never imagined it would be an Uber though. I always thought it would be a bus or a train, uh, or God forbid a plane, but I got out at 30th Street Station, and then I ordered another Uber, and then I went home. So it was probably cost me an extra 10 bucks for that mistake, uh, but obviously it gave me a story. So 
there it is. I got. I then got into a car driven by Simon, who was. It was a Camry uh, hybrid. So when it wasn't running, or when it wasn't using the gas, I, I could. I couldn't even hear it. In fact, I heard a car pull up in front of me, and then I thought it had. It had left because, or he was. He was shut off waiting for someone. Well, it was running, but it was in electric mode. So obviously, I don't hear the motor running. And the guy was waiting for me, but he didn't know at the time that I was visually impaired. So I had messaged him because I kept getting a message from the app, your driver has arrived. And 30th Street Station in Philadelphia is a fairly large facility where there's two places for pickup and drop off. One is on the Schuylkill River side, and then one is on the 30th Street, State, uh, 30th Street side. And I was on the 30th Street side. That's where I was dropped off by the previous Uber driver. So... Once I texted him and I said, here's what I've got on. I've got a black mask with a logo on it, and I've got a long, long white cane. And I hear the window go down to the car that's sitting in front of me. He said, David? And I said, yes. He said, hi, I'm Simon. And then I got in and we came home. I got home in plenty of time to let Ziggy out, let him play around with me for a little bit. Uh, we shared a banana, and he loves bananas like you wouldn't believe. We shared a banana, and then... He, he had to go back in to his crate, cage, home, room, whatever. That's where he went back in. And, of course, he always gets food when he goes back in there, so he's always excited to go back in there. Then I came downstairs and to Studio B and did the interview along with Stacy for an upcoming episode of White Canes Connect with Andy from Accessible Pharmacy, which is a very, a very cool idea and a local company for folks who are blind and visually impaired where they may separate things to a degree or in the instance of, let's say you're blind and you have a child and you need to give them a certain amount of a liquid medicine where they're already, it's already divided up into the proper amount. So you don't have to, <laughs> you don't have to measure it and do it that way. That was always an issue with me because I could never see in the device that we used to give our kids medicine back in the day because they can take it on their own now. <laughs> and, uh, you know, it was always hard. So we ended up doing it a way where we would get the weight of the spoon. It, it was basically a spoon with it looked like a test tube on it and get the weight of that and then figure out how much the medicine weighed. And then that's how I knew how much to put in. And that didn't happen often because Liz was usually home to give medicine and things like that. But there were times where things might have happened at school where she had to be... The, in uh, or something after after hours at school uh, that she had to do parent-teacher conferences. Uh, there's one night each term that she goes until 8 o'clock at night, so could have been that. Uh, but it was a very interesting interview. That one's coming out in a couple of weeks. We've been trying to batch all of these episodes because, again, my, my surgery is this coming Tuesday. I don't know what kind of shape I'm going to be in after. I know that I probably won't see for a few days, hopefully only a few days. And when I say I won't see, I won't see anything. This podcast, I didn't batch anything because I like to talk about what's happened. And so unless there's a major issue, I should be back on next week with some help from uh, Liz or Jane. Jane is coming home because Easter's that Sunday. She's coming home on Thursday. So I have a feeling she may be helping me produce, <laughs> produce next week's episode. But we'll see. And, uh, of course, I'll talk about all about the surgery next week. And I, I found out from my friend Harriet, who I told you the story about her a few episodes ago. She had a, an accident at work, 
where her white cane hit her eye and she's had three surgeries so far. She needs another one and it's happening on Tuesday, the same day as me, in the same place as me. So it'll be interesting. We don't know, you don't know the time of the surgery until the night before. So I won't find out when my surgery is until sometime on Monday and same thing with Harriet. So it'd be be nice if we, we had it at the same time and um, would be there together. That'd be kind of kind of cool. The surgery she's having is much more difficult than mine. Uh, she has a partially detached retina, and I've talked a lot. I know about when I had that done, uh, the pain of the surgery and then the, the brutal recovery time of bed rest for a week. Now, Harriet was telling me the other day when we spoke, she's, I had to lay on my right side for 22 hours a day. Basically, the only time I got up out of bed was to go to the bathroom or eat. I don't even know if I took a shower during that time. I kind of think I did after a few days. (laughs) I hope I did. I don't know. But she's got to lay face down. And that is just, I I just couldn't even imagine that. Uh, Unless you have a massage table at home. The massage table has the hole in the middle. Now, the problem with the massage table, that might catch you right in your, your eye area. Obviously, you don't want to put pressure on the eye. And the same thing with me. I can't, there's a lot of things that I'm a little concerned with. I won't be able to play with Ziggy for quite a while. We play fairly roughly and he gets a little rambunctious with me, which I like. And that's probably bad. If you, if other people saw me playing in the way he plays with me, they probably would say that's not right. But it is how we like to play. Um, he's not, he's not a bad dog. He's not vicious. I mean, I still have all my fingers to the best of my knowledge. <laughs> And he hasn't drawn blood in a while. <laughs> and again, he doesn't mean it. We're, we're playing. We play, we play a little rough. And he stops when I ask. And, uh, and he stops when I say ow. <laughs> but we do have fun, obviously. And, uh, and tell me if, I, if I'm doing something bad by, by playing with him like that. But again, we both like it. And that's, <laughs> that's what we do. Uh, there's one or two more things that I wanted to talk about, and I'll, I'll talk more about White Canes Connect. Actually, I can talk about that now because uh, the newest, the, the latest episode of White Canes Connect that we are dropping, it'll actually probably drop after this episode drops, but it will drop today as well, Thursday the 7th. We had two folks on from the... Pennsylvania Association of Blind Merchants, which I think I've talked about before, I am a member of as well. And they primarily talked about the business enterprise program. And that is something that has a set aside for blind folks to be their own boss and run their own business. It's primarily, well, it's not primarily, it's completely done on state or federal property, whether it's on a naval base or a military base where they might run uh, cafes or a cafeteria there, uh, vending machines. And in Pennsylvania, there are cafes and there are vending, a whole bunch of vending along the rest stops along the interstate highways throughout the state. And I am not so much interested in the cafes, but definitely interested in the vending. I know what kind of money they could do. We had vending machines at the video store when I owned it. And on a good year, we could make thousands of dollars on those machines. And, and I'm not talking about even the greatest machines. So 
the the two big ones were a Coke and Pepsi machine that we had out front, but we also had many football helmet ones, the gumball machines, things like that. These these machines that I'm talking about are the ones that have, yes, the soda and drinks, but also the ones that have the candy bars and the, the chips and whatnot. And the beauty of the BEP is that you really don't pay rent. The space is given to you by the state or the federal government, and you just basically operated it. You keep the machines stocked, you keep the machines operational, and you are the one that's responsible for the inventory. And as I was editing this episode, again, it's episode 028 of White Canes Connect, I'm listening and I'm thinking, you know what? There's a couple of things that I I went through my mind. I've been back and forth. Do I want to do it? Do I not want to do it? Do I want to do it? One of the things that scared me that kind of pushed me to the not wanting to do it was one of the guys that we interviewed in the show at one of our previous blind merchant meetings, he said, oh, I can't go to the national convention. That's one of my busiest weeks of the year. The national convention is the week of 4th of July, right after 4th of July. I think it's the 5th through the 10th. He said, I've got to stock my machines at least a couple of times that week, the ones that are on the interstate. And, and he only has two places, and they're on the interstate. And that's enough to make a very good living just with those two locations. But he doesn't have any employees. He Well, let me let me rephrase. He has one employee, and it's his wife, who would also obviously go to the convention with him. Now, his wife is not blind. His wife is the one that does the driving. And his model is the one... If I did it, would be the model I used. Liz would be the driver, and I would do all the other stuff. And, and again, you know Liz would do more than the driving. <laughs> she would probably do the books, or at least some of the books. I would probably do the ordering. I liked it for the vending aspect of it. And again, Liz is leaving Walden at the end of the school year, so she's looking for something. Now, the bad part of this, as I think I've also mentioned previously— there's a whole process to go through. So the amount of time that it's going to take me to get there to the point where I can bid on a location, it may be a year or two before that all happens. Because first you have to go to the Bureau of Blindness and Visual Services and say that you're interested in this program. Then they have to send you paperwork. You have to send them paperwork and back and forth. And then you have to show that you're capable of reading on the computer and your mobility is fine, meaning you have good cane skills to get from point A to point B uh, and all sorts of other things. You have uh, computer skills. So all of this obviously takes time. And then once you do that, then you have to go to training. And currently the training isn't really going on because of COVID. So when I finished editing the episode last night, I said, you know what? I'm going to do this. I don't know that I'll ever get to the very end because, as I've mentioned before, we are looking to maybe move to where it's warm or warmer. But I thought when I woke up today and I was thinking about it, I thought, you know what? I'm going to try it just for a couple of reasons. One, I'm curious to see how long it'll take to actually get everything going and and be able to bid on a place. And B, 
it will provide content that I can keep a running, whether I do blog posts or I do videos or I just do updates either on this podcast or on White Canes Connect, more likely on White Canes Connect, where it would be a series of reports of everything that I have to go through. So other people know. In Pennsylvania, there's not many people who are vendors. In fact, there's only about 20. And there's the potential amount of space for a lot more to get involved in this. And it's so important because it, again, unemployment with blind folks, blind and visually impaired folks, it's somewhere in the mid-70s. So uh, roughly three-quarters of blind people who want to work just can't. They can't get a job for whatever reason. And again, I'm sure some of those reasons are an employer may find a reason to not bring you on knowing the accommodations that you're going to need. You can't just go and sit in front of a computer and be ready to go. The computer has to have a screen reader on it. Everything's got to be accessible for you or you can't, it can't do the job. And that could run an employer some money. Not all the time, but it could. So again, mid-70s. So I thought, you know what, this would be a great thing to document as I go along. So we'll see how it goes. I just called today. And surprisingly, when I called BBVS, I got someone named Dave, and he filled out the paperwork for me, so I'm going to get something in the mail. In the meantime, I have to get paperwork from an eye doctor, and I've obviously seen a few, and I obviously will be be seeing one on Tuesday when he does my surgery. I have to get that information from him. Hey, here's what his visual acuity is, blah, 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 and uh, here's some other charts and things that he did while he was here. So... That has gotten started today. So I'm marking today, the 7th of April, as the beginning of that. And so we'll see how it goes as we move along from the stages through BBVS to then training. And again, not sure what the training is going to look like. Uh, obviously, I've, I've run my own business since I was 21 years old back in 1986. I know there's things I don't know. And there's things that are going to be specific to this program that I'm going to have to learn. And there's going to be some things that accounting wise that I'm going to have to know on how to write stuff off again, because I'm not paying rent, but there's a way to take the value of what the rent would be and work it out a certain way. And again, I'm not really too sure that one of the guys on the podcast had talked about that. His name is Ron. And so I'll have to see, you know, that's all stuff that I'm going to have to learn and we'll go from there and see how it goes. But I'm interested to see how long it's going to take and <laughs> and if, if I ever actually get the place open before we decide it's time to move. And the other cool thing is if we do move and I do go through the training, there are, I think I, think I heard 48 states plus the District of Columbia and Puerto Rico have the BEP, the Business Enterprise Program. So depending on where we move, I know Florida ha definitely has it and it is evidently very good down there. So even if I do move, we do move, it's something that we can do after after we move. And obviously we would have a and have a job ready and waiting. Moving on, I've talked about the surgery uh, coming up on Tuesday. One of the things that I had to do for that was go to the doctor and basically have them sign off that, hey, I can handle the surgery. 
uh, here's the EKG, here's the this, here's the that. One thing I was surprised, I didn't have to get any kind of blood work. But everything looked good when I went to the doctor. Now, I didn't get to see my normal doctor, and, and don't get me wrong, I am happy as can be that I didn't get to see her because I do not like her. And I got a different doctor who evidently is very short because <laughs> she told me she wanted to look in my ear. She says, could you tilt your head? So I tilted my head a little. She's, oh, you got to tilt it more. I'm very short. And so I tilted it. And so we're talking. One of the things that, uh, and I did like her and I would switch to her if they would allow me to switch within the practice, which I don't know that they would or not. Uh, so most more than likely I'm going to have to switch to a different practice, which I, I know I keep talking about with Liz, but <laughs> it still hasn't happened. So one of the things she said to me that kind of annoyed me when she asked me things that I do and, and stuff like that, she's like, wow, that's incredible. I'm like, what's incredible? I thought, I didn't say this. And I, I think she was getting at that that's incredible to, that I do that and I can't see. And I wanted to say, you know what? I, I, you know, I, I went and I peed earlier today in the toilet and I stood up. How incredible is that? And I got it in the toilet. Is that incredible too? I mean, that's basically what I thought. It's not incredible. It's if you can do it and I can do it, there's no incredible. It's just what you do. Uh, but again, that, that didn't deter me from <laughs> wanting, to, wanting to switch to her if I could uh, in that practice. And again, I don't know that I can. But one, of the, one funny thing that happened also while I was at the doctor, I was in there waiting for a while. And... I didn't do it too much when I was in the waiting room, but once I went back to the exam room, I pulled out my phone and I'm on it, and I, I always forget to bring earbuds, so that's why I didn't do it much in the waiting room because there was somebody else in there, and it can be annoying when you're listening to my phone talk and probably wondering what it's saying because it goes a little faster than normal. Again, it doesn't go as fast as some of my friends, but it still goes a little faster. So I waited until I was back in the exam room while I was waiting, and I was going through email and, and checking things. I get to this one email. It's from Costco. And I'm going through, and it, and it says something, and it says savings available now or something like that. But it didn't say available. It said like it was spelled wrong. <laughs> and, and if you listen to last week's episode, you know how I feel about typos. So I go home after the appointment, and I'm sitting there a couple hours later, and I had forgotten about it. And then I remembered that I wanted to show it to Liz and ask her to tell me how it was spelled in this ad. Because, again, this was an image. So it wasn't like I could go – well, I could go line by line, but I'll explain that in a second. Um, and it was, it was spelled wrong, but not in the image. And I didn't believe Liz when she told me. I said, Liz, tell me how available is spelled. She's like, A-V-A-I-L-A-B-L-E. I said, no, no, listen. She's like, oh, that's too fast. I don't know what that's saying. It sounds right to me. I said, it's not. It's, it's spelling it wrong. And then I went letter by letter, and it spelled it differently. And I thought I was going crazy. So I go down on my computer, and I pull up the image that I took of the email. And I zoom in as far as I can on my desktop. And I'm like, man, it does look like it's spelled right, like she said. And then I play it again on my phone, and it spelled it wrong. So I go back into the email on my computer, and then I open up the code to the email. And it was spelled wrong in the alt tag. It was spelled incorrectly in the alt tag. And so I was right, and Liz was right. 
And I thought that's funny because I never noticed that before. I never noticed a typo. And so the only people who would notice that typo are the folks that are using a screen reader because otherwise you're not going to, you're not going to know because it's spelled right in the, in the image where it said savings available now or whatever it said. And I thought that was hysterical. That's the first time I've ever seen that before. So, uh, but thank you Costco for adding the alt tag to that image because again, uh, I understood what it meant even if it was spelled wrong and said wrong on my phone. I knew what it meant. It was just driving me crazy that I thought the word on the image was spelled wrong, but it was only in the alt tag. There are plenty of companies that I get email from that don't use any kind of alt tags. And it's impossible to figure out what I'm looking at. In fact, if I get an email, especially from American Express, each month they mail uh, email offers that you can get double points or you can get 25 off of 100 or whatever, but I can never see what it's for and the screen reader doesn't even read it because it's in an iframe or something like that. So when I get these emails from American Express and I try to read them on my phone with voiceover, it basically goes from the top of the email to right before all the offers and then goes down, skips all the offers and then goes down to the bottom and will just tell me, join us on Facebook or call us at this number or whatever. So it skips that. So they don't even have any kind of alt tags for their images in their, in their ad section. And again, they're not the only ones. There's, I'm sure, a million others that right now all of them are, I'm drawing a blank on. So I just thought that was very cool that A, at least they did the alt tags, but the funny part being that there was the typo there. So that is all I have um, for this week. And again, I really do appreciate you joining me for episode 174. Please remember to rate and review and pass this along to a friend who you think might enjoy it. And again, if you've got any questions, comments, show ideas, please reach out. You can call at 646-926-6350. You've got three minutes to leave your question, your comment, your show idea. But please also leave your name in town if you want to send something in. Again, 646-926-6350. You can also email me at podcast at gmail.com, podcast at gmail.com. Finally, show notes will be available at com slash 174, com slash 174. Remember, I Can't See You sounds like a whole sentence, but it is only seven characters long. I-C-A-N-T-C-U dot com slash 174. Finally, I do want to ask you this question. I am using a different mic on a different stand, but going through the PodTrack P4. If you could let me know how this sounds, and I, I know that I should have probably done this at the beginning because not as many people end the show at the end than started at the beginning, obviously. But if I sound better, sound worse, please let me know. And you can call in. You can shoot me an email. If you've got my mobile number, you can text me. But I'd love to know how it sounds. And again, surgery's on Tuesday, and unless something goes horribly wrong, I will be back next week with another episode. And again, I really do appreciate you listening. Thank you so much. Take care, stay safe, be well, and I'll talk to you next week. Thank you for listening to the I Can't See You podcast with David. Please rate, review, and subscribe to the podcast wherever you listen. And don't forget to share the podcast with your friends.